You are listening to Trophy Horse with your hosts, Tricky Mick, Alex, I yield to no one, Steve. everybody and welcome to Trophy Yours. This is episode 324. I'm your host, Jake Mick. Alongside with me, the man, the myth, the legend, he's Alex. I am just not even hours, maybe an hour away from another Platinum Trophy. Alright, well I'm sure we'll get into that in a minute. Uh, as I said last week, we cannot bring the awesome for a couple weeks because Yield is uh, moving into his new home. And unfortunately, this week, we are not going to be able to bring the master of the dual screens, but we are going to bring back somebody we had on last week, and that's one of the writers on Proving Gamer, Roberto. Greetings and salutations, everyone. All Roberto, right, so I, don't, I hope you don't have to work as early as you did last Monday after recording no, no, no. Uh As a matter of fact, uh, Mondays, I don't have to do that, so that, that was just fantastic. I was hoping to stay up anyway. It's just Tuesdays and Wednesdays. I got to do my 5 a.m. shift lifeguarding. <laughs> but tomorrow's uh, totally normal, so which is fantastic. Yeah, this this is working out for Roberto because actually when I reached out to him for to be on the episode, I said, "Hey, does anybody want to be on TW at nine o'clock?" He interpreted TW mean tomorrow, so he thought we were going to record tomorrow night. So this actually works out because I told him I said, "Are you ready to go?" He's like, "Wait, it's tonight." This works out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have no idea. This is this is great. Plus, well, now like you know. Now I'm more awake, and I can, you know, stay up until at least, I'd say, midnight or 1 and get some last hours of gaming in for the weekend before uh, the uh, weekend's officially over. So <laughs> this is great. Yeah, in any case, let's uh, go around the table with the trophies. Yeah, I, you know, I, I just realized, because did, I did the agenda late, uh, a little behind the scenes. Yesterday was Extra Life, and I did that for 25 hours. Went to sleep, woke up. And totally forgot we had to record today. Mm-hmm. So I threw the agenda together and I forgot to update the trophies. So I hope you guys have yours because I'm looking on a PlayStation app for mine. And I am level 33 trophies of 8,353 with 77 Platinums. And I'm level Alex. 29 with 6,355 trophies and a Platinum count of 93 Platinums in 92 games. All right. And Roberto. 10,350 total trophies, 31 platinums, and uh, yeah, 380 gold, 1,658 silver, 3,281 bronze, a level 34. Sid is level uh, 26, total trophies of 5,639 with 72 platinums. Steven is level 14, total trophies of 17... 155 with four platinums. Uh, yield is level 25, total trophies of 4,800 with 72 platinums. Chances are he probably has more trophies, but with no internet, he can't sync them up. So, uh, Alex, you said you're hours away from getting another platinum. What are you playing? I have been playing Hellblade, Sinwa's Sacrifice, and uh, I did talk about this a little last week because I started playing it last week. I finally beat the game last night, 
and I'm going through on a second run to get all the lore stones, which are these kind of collectible items which you find. Uh, they're basically just like um, little audio clips uh, narrated and basically telling the lore of, uh, the, of the game, the history of it, and just kind of give you a little bit extra like what's going on in the world and what's going on in the game. A little bit of understory, kind of like uh, you would hear from the audio logs in Bioshock or something like that. So uh, I like the game still quite a bit. Uh, I, th I think it's a really good game that I would still recommend to people. I was a little disappointed with the, the final boss fights to end the game, but as far as you know, the rest of the game, I, I feel it's very varied. I think the, the combat is simplistic but fun. I think that the imagining of the underworld they have is, is really spectacular and just kind of really uh, outside the box. Because once you get later in the game, it's, it's more like the hellish, awful underworld that you would expect, but early on in the game, it's a lot more kind of what you'd expect to see when the Earth has been retaken by nature, like in, say, The Last of Us or like Uncharted or something like that, well, specifically The Last of Us, where it's it's basically just ruins and trees and everything, and just, there's a lot more vegetation than you'd imagine. So the game's kind of, um, your requirements throughout the game change as you're, you're working your way to Helheim, and uh, one of the coolest things I, about this game is the, the kind of psychosis that uh, they actually... The game will tell you at the, at the beginning, they actually consulted with uh, experts on psychosis and mental health experts to help make the game to kind of uh, make sure that they, they got it right. Uh, because we, as you're going throughout the game, you hear uh, voices talking to Sinwa in her head, voices saying, hey, this is dangerous, turn around, you know, basically like hesitations that they kind of happen in our head or, you know, the, the strength that we find, the inner strength, like you hear all of that within her head and everything you see. Uh, kind of the the manifestations of that psychosis that happened throughout the game. So the game is really fun. Uh, it's really novel, and I like it a lot. And I feel like I've said before that Ninja Theory does not give enough credit for how good of a developer they are. I feel like this is a game that a lot of people are going to overlook because it's you know they call it a mid-sized game because it's only thirty bucks, and you know a lot of times people see thirty dollars or a lower price point attached to a game, and they think, oh, well, you know it's uh it's it can't be as good in value or it can't be as good of a game because it's it's, it's a lower price tag it's it's a lesser value but the game is really good it's about six hours and uh it's yeah it's really enjoyable um the characters and, the st and uh i mean the story kind of feel, it feels kind of basic i mean it, it does have kind of that epic the epic undertones of going into the underworld to underworld to save your lover so it, it does have kind of this this powerful story that i never really i, I don't feel like it's maybe they need a little bit more time to expound upon it but it feels like they, they could have done a little bit more. Not that it was disappointing, but it's just it, it feels a little bit less fleshed out or less less impactful than it could have been. Uh, the characters, you know, part of that is the characters because you know it's really kind of even though you play as Sinwa the entire time and you're kind of going through these trials with her, you you don't really form at least I didn't an attachment with her um, as you would say, like, Monkey and Trip, who were in Enslaved Odyssey of the West, which were another, was another game by Ninja Theory. So I, I think that the characters are a little bit of a weaker point, but the game itself and the imagining of the underworld is just fantastic, so I think that everyone should play it. And like I said, it's a pretty easy platinum, so, you know, you can get through, I think all of the trophies except for one are story-based, so you can't, you'll get all the trophies but one guaranteed through one run, so. And you can just go mop up all the collectibles carry over, so you can just play it again and mop up what you didn't get before. So, yeah, go, go, like I said, I said go buy the game when it first came out to support Ninja Theory. Now I'm telling you, I've played the game, I've beaten the game, and you should definitely go buy it. All right, Roberto? 
Okay, so I got an interesting recent, uh, two recent games uh, that have synced up. First one comes from, uh, on behalf of Evolve PR, thank you guys, um, the, like, uh, the, their connection from, uh, from PAX. They sent, so, it's a game called Mud Runner, a Spin Tires game. Spin Tires is a long-running, uh, racing, uh, truck and, uh, truck video game franchise, uh, they just, where they, it's, like, kind of a truck simulator. So, Mud Runners takes the concepts established in that franchise and puts you into the Russian or Siberian tundra of mud, wilderness, trees, rain, and tasks you with driving a variety of trucks, military trucks in particular, across this terrain to complete simple objectives. And uh, believe it or not, it, it may not sound terribly exciting, but it's actually a lot of fun. Uh, it's uh, I kind of looked at this game visually, it looks stunning. Uh, you have these giant military trucks plowing through gobs and and chunks of mud we're not like talking about little flaky things like the the engine in this game particularly uses uh its own proprietary engine to have real textured mud in the um in the game so when you see the your tires spinning up and the, it, it you see that the the earth getting chewed up you see the mud actually get onto your vehicle your your tires and all that and also, of course, it doesn't just visually look pretty interesting. It's also, uh, on a technical level, pretty um, impressive. You'll feel the weight of your of your vehicle from the controller. You'll see feel the uh, uh, the the added weight of your cargo. You'll have to compensate for different terrains because there's like the regular mud because uh, there's mud. Then there's like the mud that if you were to walk in, you'd get stuck. Then there's like and it, it's like on on the surface of water. Then there's like uh parks or open fields they look like dry land and they they have like mud underneath them so if you like to get dirty in mud this is like your game but it was uh i i woke up this morning and i said let me just give it a shot and i wound up playing the game for about three hours because <laughs> i was like wow this is actually kind of addicting so the objectives are simple you know grab a trailer or repair a truck but it's across like a, a giant level which is kind of like an open world map you have to uh, make your own paths, uh, cut through if you have, if you can, uh, plow some trees down. You may have to, uh, you know, risk things like go through a river and risk your truck getting like, you know, rolled over. But that happened to me already. That was kind of fun but painful at the same time because I lost the load. Uh, and uh, if you have like the Spotify app, you can use that too. So if you got a good playlist, you can get a good rhythm. So you have to compensate for damage to your vehicle. So if like you bang your engine too much, you're going to lose fuel and things like that. So it's a fascinating game. I didn't expect to have so much fun. I'm definitely going to try and work on uh, platinuming uh, the game. I'm looking at the trophy list right now. There's 0.1% for trophies. Uh, well, platinum, I should say. Uh, there is a hardcore mode too, if you're daring. So um, I played on casual and it was pretty tough. But uh, for those that want a challenge, uh, hard mode exists. And it's it's so far it's fun. I'd have to say if you're looking for a different driving experience, uh, something a little more realistic, but but, but not terribly realistic, uh, that is your thing. Mud Runner Spin Tires game. And then lastly, um, I mean I'll be quick on this one. Uh, Sword Art Online Lost Song. It's a JRPG that came out in 2015, based off of the anime manga of the same name. It's a game within a game. You fly, you know, you fly around. You take on monsters, go through dungeons and quests. You interact with the characters in the anime. It's been written by the guys that penned the original manga and anime as well. Uh, the game came out two years ago, but um, I kind of 
been getting into JRPGs lately, so <coughs> I got the hold of it, and uh, it's pretty good. It's it's really neat, and there are people still playing online. Surprisingly, I actually created a public room and uh, went through a couple dungeons with some people. So, uh, yeah, so it's it's pretty good. Um, this is also part of Hollow Realization, another sort of online game, and then Fatal Bullet, which comes out next uh, early November, uh, early next year. And yeah, that wraps it up. All right, and uh, I'm gonna keep it quick because I've only been playing one game, and that's Assassin's Creed Origins. Uh, played that. Uh, pretty much the entire 25 hours yesterday. Uh, I'm getting deep into it, but I'm getting sidetracked on side missions a lot. Uh, I mm-hmm. tried to knock out all the side missions before I do any of the main missions. I- I'm liking it a lot. It's frustrating at times just because a uh, uh, little bit of a spoiler, but I'm not really spoiling anything. Um, you get to, once you kill uh, one of your first targets... Uh, it then sets a group of people after you that you could be just walking the countryside and all of a sudden you get attacked by these people out of nowhere. And they're all incredibly hard. Uh, and the one thing I do like about it is even after they kill you, if you get their leader down to half health, next time you see him, he starts at half health. So over the times you, you will find him and then eventually you will kill him. Uh, Sometimes they just hang out, and you can sneak up on them and uh, do a surprise attack. But, yeah, uh, getting sidetracked in the side missions, there's so much stuff to do in there. Like, not only there's uh, question marks on the map that you can go up to, and depending on, you know, it could be uh, a collectible. It could be uh, an an outpost that you have to take down. It, It could be anything. So it's really good, uh, Alex. I, I I can't wait for you to start playing it. I think you'd really like it. Didn't you say that you were going to get the Horizon Zero Dawn Platinum during Extra Life? I did, uh, and I'm going to address that. Uh, I, that was the next thing I was going to address because it was pointed out to me that I had stated that I was going to get five platinums on during Extra Life, which when I said it was my full intention and plan, but I. Didn't prepare myself for it, so there was no way that I was going to be able to do it. Uh, so with that, I just abandoned that plan halfway through and said, I'm not even going to try. That's the one only thing you'll I never do, get, ever. The only thing I have to do in Horizon is finish those uh, hunting grounds. That's it. That's the only thing I have to do in Horizon. So. At least you're playing Horizon. I haven't even started yet. Well... Uh, good news is Steven started last night. He took over the Extra Life uh, stream on the PG page at about 10 o'clock, and then he played it until the second 2 o'clock because the clock set back an hour. Well, I guess it's technically the first 2 o'clock because at one fifty nine the next minute was 1 o'clock again. So, so he, clarification, he played for four hours. So he did pretty good. Uh, says he likes it. It's his style of game. And then I asked him, I said, does this make it your game of the year over Mario and Zelda? And he didn't quite give an answer, but he did say uh, this is more of a, his to his cup of tea than uh, Zelda is. But And he hadn't played Mario yet, so he wasn't able to make that judgment. But I will never get said, over the way you say Mario. It's Mario. It's a me. It's a Mario. Yeah, you did not say it like that. You said Mario. 
Mario, Mario, same thing. Yeah, back in school they they said that because there was Wario. They used to say Mario, so it used to be Wario. That's how it's pronounced to be pronounced. But that was like third grade. But no, it's Wario and Mario for me. What are you call New Jersey dialect, but or accent? Yeah. <laughs> That's all right. I'll say Louisville. Uh huh. Louisville. There you go. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm from here, so I should know how to say it. I do want to tack on from my earlier uh, Hellblade discussion. I do want to tack on one thing, and then we can go on. I do want to say that even though I think that the story is not impactful as it could be, given the subject matter, and I think that, you know, aside from the main protagonist, that there's really not a lot of characters there to bolster her. Because a lot of times a character is great because of the things that happen to him or her, or because of the characters that surround him or her. But the ending that Ninja Theory did for this game, I like it. I don't like it because it's like a super happy Disney ending, but I like it because it makes sense with what's going on in the game, and it feels like the the Last of Us, the ending to the Last of Us, where it feels real, where it feels like you know people may not like the ending, some people may not agree, some people may like it, some people may not. But given the context of the game, what's going on, it feels real, and it feels like a good direction to take the the ending. I don't want to go too far into it because or say too much because I don't want to spoil anything. But the, I like the ending and the way they handled it. I thought it was really good, and I think that it kept with the spirit of the game. So, All right. With that being said, let's dive into our topics, gentlemen. Yes. Uh, first, topic, first topic we have is uh, PlayStation 4 has shipped 67.5 million. Now, as we do this topics, uh, it, it, I always like to make sure we're distinguishing. This is shipped not sold to consumers. When you say they sold 67.5 million, that means 67.5 million consoles are out in the wild. This just means 67.5 have been shipped to stores and they're sitting somewhere in the wild right now, whether that be at home or still on a store shelf. So thoughts on that? <laughs> uh, well, I, I, you know, I, I was into this before we actually started, um, uh, recording. Uh, I wanted to see how many the PlayStation Three had sold in ten years, because we know that it started off slow and then it gained and eventually passed the three hundred and sixty in its lifetime. Uh, Sony has predicted that they were going to make uh meet seventy nine million units shipped by March two thousand eighteen. So they're only a little over ten million away from that. So is it still possible, gentlemen? I think it definitely is possible because we you know we have 2018 is locked to have like some killer apps. I mean, we got Spider-Man, which were already from Insomniac Games, the makers of Ratchet and Clank, which considering that, you know, we are in this age of the MCU and how like, you know, we're, we're starting to see the conclusion of a saga and the shifting to a new one and the cinematic universe. Spider-Man is going to hopefully be like a killer app for a lot of the PS4 players. We got God of War 3. With, uh, excuse me, God of War 3, oh my god. <laughs> Whoa. Um, the newest God of War that is kind of answering a lot of questions already from, from number 3, where if you play number 3, you, you didn't know what was the fate of Kratos. But now a lot of people are really, really excited to see where this is going to happen, What the, this falling into a new mythology, his son, and how maybe he's moved on from you know the loss of his family and things of that sort. So that's already, but and visually, presentation wise, gameplay wise, looks extremely impressive. You also have Kingdom Hearts three, which 
that that I mean, I, there's still the the chance that that game may I don't know go I mean I'm gonna knock on wood here go Final Fantasy 13 ish or something, but that game has been incredibly highly anticipated for for about a decade now, and it might just turn into another FF15 situation where it becomes a resounding success. So those those are three killer apps right there, and then there's anything else happening in between that we don't even know about. So I, I think definitely um, there is the the opportunity for this to turn into you know for those 10 million uh, units to to be achieved, along with um, anything else that we don't even know about this time. Um, I mean I, I would think that hopefully maybe PlayStation leans more to reviving maybe some classic IPs to really seal the, seal the deal. Um, there, I mean, personally, me, I've always had this kind of a, a this is a dream distant reaching shot. But if they had resurrected Siphon Filter or Colony Wars, that would be really, really benefit to the system and benefit to the players. So, um, you know, I, think I thought, just, uh, Roberto, when we were talking about classic IPs, I thought you were going to ask for a Jet Moto Twisted Metal. Oh, oh, oh hell yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, if too. you remember, originally there was a Jet Moto level in the first Twisted Metal game. Yeah, yeah. I think I remember that. Um, no, and then there was even Twisted Metal 2, which I still remember the, uh, the, the, the childhood memories here real quick. Um, since, you know, obviously, you know, we were in the New York area. I used to love the New York level in that, in Twisted Metal 2, because you would like, you could be one of the construction cars, I forgot the name, and you just throw people off of skyscrapers, and then the Statue of Liberty was in the back, and the music for that was really good. Well, but yeah, Jet Moto was really good too. Well, if you the Statue of Liberty, she would eventually, like, get in a bikini, and at first, like, she'd be skinny yeah. in a bikini, and then if you... Did it again? She would become fat in a bikini, and then you could destroy it if you shot it again. I think it was three times. Yeah, yeah, that was that was a cool Easter egg. I always thought that the uh, the Antarctica level, the big drop or something, I think that was what it was called, was terrifying because like the land would literally like it would shake. It would give you a notice, but it would literally like fall out underneath you, and you could fall into the ocean and die. And the big leap, the uh, the New York City level. You were fighting on top of skyscrapers, so, like, falling into the abyss was always, like, you didn't have to worry about just cars. You had to worry about falling off a building, too, which always made things interesting. Yeah, yeah. The Antarctica one I don't remember, but the New York one and the Paris one, those were two very famous, like, all-time favorite levels for me. But right, trophy whores, here's what, something I want you all to do. Do yourself a favor and go to YouTube and look up the Hong Kong Crunch. It is the music... It's the soundtrack for the final level in Twisted Metal 2 when you fight Darktooth. I still like that song. I still love that song. It's so catchy. And I, yes, go listen to Hong Kong Crunch for Twisted Metal 2 tonight. Whenever you hear this, just go do it. Yeah, so in any case, uh, yeah, I think that, uh, you know, right now, I mean, in terms, like, just to close that thought, obviously right now Nintendo is really ramping up a huge... Uh, machine uh you know momentum that we have not seen in in years from that company though with the switch and they already had one of the best years in many years right now with um with 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 the release of the switch the release of a new zelda and the release of a new mario and a new metroid on the way but probably not coming around for another couple years there's still a lot that the big end has to show us in the next in in 2018 at least i would hope to See, and that's going to be a very stiff competition to Sony and PlayStation's brand. Also, what happened, the fate of the PlayStation VR, if it's going to continue, if it's still going to kind of struggle. 
the fate of the Vita, which <laughs> is kind of like we, you know, we're we're, we're kind of pondering like, is it is this it, is it literally like the most orphan? It, it is unmistakably the most orphaned handheld in history. Um, without the indies and third parties, it, the system would have gone away a long time ago. But still, is they're they're, they're the ones that still make build the actual system. So I, we don't know what's going to happen with that. Roberto, um, let me let me ask you a question. Sorry to interrupt you. I want to go yeah. all the way back to God of War because I wanted to be, to ask this before, but I got sidetracked on Twisted Metal two levels and and music. Yeah. So the God of War, we we get Kratos in his older age with a son, and he's now in the world of Norse mythology. Which connection? Hellblade is a uh, it is based in Norse mythology. So there's that, but. So we're supposed to believe that Kratos jumps from Greek mythology into Norse mythology. Like, do those timelines even add up? Like, and you may not know this, but it's a point that I think is worth bearing or keeping in mind because, yeah, it may be cool to like see Kratos within Norse mythology, but you still have this overarching universe that you're now saying that Greek mythology is now tied to Norse mythology, and I've never thought about things that way. Like, does that not seem just a bit ridiculous? I mean, the, there was a lot of BTS uh, from I think, from like or or interview um, interviews that revealed that they really they, that Kratos literally falls into Norse mythology. If you remember God of War and Greek mythology, um, you know the world is as it's depicted in Greece. It's not like a planet. It's 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 a plane of existence, and. There is, of course, what what you know the and as you saw in, in God of War, even God of War Ascension, massive beings fought blood and 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 bl spilling their blood and being throughout the cosmos, which helped form the world. And then the Titans and the Greek gods fought a, a never-ending world war for thousands of years that helped lay the 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 who would supreme be the supreme rulers of humankind and of course the god the greek gods won so um this existence has happened and kratos obviously was was you know the the you know entropy the the destroyer of worlds in his pursuit of vengeance against zeus as you know i mean and spoiler alert here so if you haven't played god of war 3 but you should have uh <laughs> uh plug your ears <laughs> but in any case um there's the fact that at the end of God of War three, he achieves his vengeance. The whole pantheon of the gods is slain at his hand. The world as you know it is chaos. Uh, when he killed uh, uh, Poseidon, the seas rose and became torturous and turmoil. Uh, when he killed Helios, the sun was blotted from the sky, and get, you know a darkness fell across the land. When he killed uh there was a woman in the garden i forgot her name the plants died and disease and uh festered the only well, one you're talking gets... about because demeter is the goddess of the harvest but she was never like she never crossed paths with kratos did she no uh like she did like you know she was kind of bitter and like kind of like spiteful at kratos and then kratos just breaks her neck um are you, you know. sure you're not thinking of hera wasn't that hera uh, yeah, yeah oh yeah okay that was because hera. that yeah, was in the garden I mean. maze the garden maze yeah he meets up with Aphrodite. But he, I mean, he kills most of the, the pantheon of the gods, but he's not kill uh, Aphrodite or Demeter. And I don't think Dionysus either. I think Dionysus is still alive. Right. But the point being is he basically takes out all the main ones. He takes out, you know, Poseidon, Hades. They're the first two to go in that game. And Hermes and Hera and then Zeus. So he takes out about everyone. 
Right. So that now, like, this world has ended, and as you know, he he sacrifices himself uh, at the end to make sure that um, Athena doesn't just you know continue the damn circle again because you know she ta- she takes that blade. She's just going to create another pantheon, and the same bullshit's going to continue. So she decide he decides to sacrifice himself and in doing so he releases the secret weapon that athena had hidden in, in pandora's box and that was hope so and as you know the final cutaway shot is a, is a trail of blood over a cliff so what i'm getting is that if this world is completely destroyed something must happen between his falling from the cliff and releasing the weapon of hope Maybe his spirit, maybe it's that night, that nightmare spirit, the sequence uh, during the final act of the game where he like he he makes peace with himself. Something along those lines happens that allows him to go through Norse mythology. Maybe it's similar to what happened to um to him in God of War Two when the Titans kind of like resuscitate him. Maybe the Norse gods, you know, pick him up and say, "Yo, uh, Kratos, man, your world's blown up and shit." Um, but we believe that there's a shot of you of redemption. I mean, ch- you know, come hang out with us or something like that. I mean, okay, that's really like <laughs> okay, very okay, late hold, back. But... Hold on a second. I had to walk away for a second. How the hell did we go from PlayStation sales to God of War? Because this Catch is PlayStation. God of War okay. is PlayStation. If we don't All right. Talk about... I had to walk away for a second because <laughs> I had a I had my I had an issue with my daughter I had to take care of. Uh, before I stopped talking, before I said I wanted to look up. Uh, lifetime PS3 sales, and Lifetime PS3 sales is 84 million. That okay. So in any case, well, okay. So <laughs> bringing it back, bringing it back. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, like you know, thinking about the PS3's final years in 2013. I mean, you did have Wolfenstein, you had a God of War Ascension, you had MGR Revenge, Last of Us. Um. You know, you had a. A bunch of shooters uh, that were available at the time, and the last I think of that us. helped you know tip the scales a little bit to kind of secure those final numbers. So I think it's like I said, it's all about the apps. But then also you know that was the launch of the console, the new next gen console gen. So uh, but then you know Nintendo was kind of out of action with the Wii U. The Microsoft Xbox One had that you know egregious the the, the policy and all that stuff, which I think really honestly hurt them in the long run because they're still struggling. Um, and then, you know, uh, not, not really that many killer apps, but then with Kill- PlayStation 4, you had, uh, Killzone Shadowfall, and you had a bunch of other games that were available at that point in time. And also the cross, the cross save, cross buy with the Vita was a nice perk for a lot of Vita owners. So now, like I said, I mean, as I was saying, Nintendo is, is, is ramping up a hell of a machine uh, for the long run. We don't know what they have next. And I think that could, that could probably hinder some of the numbers for PlayStation, and also, we have to see what PlayStation is going to be revealing, especially during PlayStation Experience. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's the there's no such thing as bad competition. You know, competition breeds creation, and you just got to keep up at it. So, um, all right, yeah, <laughs> there we go. Okay, uh, thoughts concluded. Let's, let's, let's get back on track fully here. Yeah. Uh, the next topic we have is PlayStation lineup for November has been announced, and there's a lot of people that are a little upset about this. Uh, let's see. For the PlayStation 4, you're going to be able to get Worms Battlegrounds and Bound. For the PS3, you're going to get R-Type Dimensions, Ragdoll, Kung Fu, Fist of Plastic. For the Vita, you're going to get Dungeon Punks and Broken Sword 5, The Serpent's Curse, Episodes 1 and 2. Uh, for the PS4, you're also going to get uh, Dungeon Punks. Uh, Dungeon Punks. And for PS4... 
as a bonus game, you're going to be able to get Until Dawn, Rush of Blood, the VR game, available from November 7th to January 2nd. Nice. Uh, Man, Randall Kung Fu takes me back, because I reviewed that game for Sarcastic Gamer, it seems like 30 years ago. (laughs) Yeah, that that game was out in 2008. Yeah, a lot of people are upset. And because they've given us Ragdoll Kung Fu for free before, mm-hmm. but that was for a promotion with Sprint uh, when the game first came out. Sprint sponsored it and gave the game away for free. And then when the sponsorship was up, they gave uh, they charged for the game. I I I don't know what your your review said Alex, but it could not have been that good of a review. You know. I had some fun with that game. I, I, as I remember, it was not a great game, but there were some things, some charm to it that I really liked. Um, that's really it. Had it had some charm, some some cool things about it, but overall, it was not a game that I would think that you would want to spend a ton of time with. Because I think I did get a hundred percent of the trophies, but I wouldn't. Yeah, don't don't re don't find your your PS3 and plug it back in just for that game. Do you do you remember what score you gave it? No, I do not. Because you know the 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 whole thing about at SG when we tried to figure out how to do review scores was everyone talked about you know a number an out of ten or an out of five review scale and you know I think we switched back and forth and then we you know we went uh, from like review scores to like uh, forget it or rent it or buy it like that kind of scale like it just I, I can't remember you know how exactly we had. Uh, the system that we had in place at that time because it changed over time because we tried to figure out oh well numbered reviews aren't the best way to do it so we're going to try to do it another way so yeah Yeah, I tried to do the the buy pass or rent uh, review on Proven Gamer and I got told they wanted to give it scores now we give scores on Proven Gamer Uh, alright the next bit of news we have is Resogun developer Housemark abandons shoot 'em ups genre after poor sales. That one breaks my uh, heart. Fin- oh, sorry. <laughs> Finish fin- studio Housemark, maker of modern classic shoot 'em ups as Resogun and next next Machina, is moving away from developing arcade games due to poor sales. Before I keep reading, listeners, I got a stuffy nose, so that's why I keep stumbling my words. Not that I don't do that every single week as it is. That's why he sounds like a muppet. But that's why I sound a little different this week. Uh, Housemark CEO and co-founder Elari. Uh, what do I try to pronounce names? Kuchigin spoke about the decision to move away from the genre they love, regardless of the game's quality, and a letter to fans. Quote, despite critical success and numerous awards, our games have just haven't sold in significant numbers. While some of them have reached a massive audience due to free game offerings across various digital sales channels, this unfortunately doesn't help pay off for our development, which gets costly for high production quality. Uh, while the genre has always hold a special place in our hearts, the industry is moving towards multiplayer experiences with strong, robust, robust communities, and it's time for Housemark to move forward with the industry. Looking ahead for our next project, we're exploring something totally different from what you might expect from us. We believe this will lead to creation of even more engaging game gaming exercises, or excuse me, experiences. I don't know why I said exercises. Our core values remain the same. Gameplay first with first play, class execution. We're really excited about our new projects and look forward to unveiling our first game from the new era of Housemark. Now, Alex, I'm going to go to you because you are a big fan of the Housemark games. How do you feel about all this 
Yeah, I do. You know, they they're known a lot for their their shoot 'em ups, their their arcade shoot 'em ups like Resogun and uh, Super Stardust. So you know, it's it's sad for me to hear that this company that does a certain game type so well is having to you know move on to something else. Not because necessarily they want to, but because they have to to evolve with the industry. I think they should be able to make whatever games they want and still continue to do. Uh, to, to be successful, especially since their games are of, always of high quality. Like I said before, I can always go back to Resogun and play it again and again and again. And Outland is one of my favorite games from the PlayStation 3. And Outland was a platformer that kind of mixed the whole Ikaruga um, color-based uh, puzzle-solving and uh, um, f- combat into the, the gameplay. And that was a really cool game. And they also did Dead Nation on PlayStation 3, which is a hard-as-fuck game. It was intense, but it was a, a zombie shooter, twin-stick shooter. Uh, they did Outland. All their games are just quality, and it sucks that they, they feel like they have to do this to evolve with the industry. Uh, on the other hand, it is kind of it will be nice to see what they transition to, what kind of new things we can expect from them, because I think the article that you had shared had said that, I think it's from IGN, had said that they were working on this new game that steps away from the arcade, style uh, for over a year now so it, it's pretty deep in development but um, I, I don't like the idea that they have to they feel like they have to go to multiplayer experiences not that those are necessarily a bad thing but it's kind of sucks that the the whole world is just focused more especially after visceral getting shut down in recent weeks and everyone questioning well is you know are we moving away from single player games it kind of sucks that house mark is now moving away from arcade shooters and moving to multiplayer experiences where they feel like they have to go in order to be profitable. Like, that that's not a good thing. You know, it, it'll be good to see them do something different, but I want them to make the games they want to make as opposed to the games they feel like they have to make in order to keep the doors open. Yeah, that's kind of my thought process right there, too. Um, I played a lot of their stuff and have immensely enjoyed everything. Like, there's, there's not really a bad housemark game when you think about it. Um, they just, they, they are very dedicated to their craft. They make everything very lovingly with a lot of passion and they make sure that it's a great overall gameplay experience for ev- gamers of all types, whether you're a hardcore gamer or casual, anything like that. Um, next mock, they mentioned a lot about next Machina and how that was the best game they possibly could get. And I have to agree. It was, it was a phenomenal game. I do want to work on it more because I haven't even beaten it. I played it on normal and I actually I sucked towards the end. I, I I lost all 99 continues. It was embarrassing. Um, 99 continues you lost? Yeah, well, it's it's normal. They give you 99 on normal difficulty. But, like, the last boss involves an insane amount of bullets <laughs> filling this tiny-ass screen. Uh, you know, if you don't have your weapon power-ups, you're, you're in trouble. If you don't dodge the right way, you're in trouble. Uh, it, it's like I'd have to just play the game on easy. Unfortunately, there's a trophy for that. And just re, you know, just memorize. And then there's also some like extra bonus things and stuff like you know, secret areas to unlock and stuff. Um, but um, as somebody that played Super Stardust, Rezo Gun, Dead Nation, Alien Nation, which is another one, um, it, it's you know, it, it breaks my heart because it's just they 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 love what they do. They've as we as has been said, they've perfected it. They've worked on it. They've done all sorts of phenomenal things with this genre. I still think the arcade genre is still very important to have in this industry, considering that it's straight up. You pick it up, and 
you play it and you have some fun with it. Like you don't have to, you know, discipline yourself with, with, uh, getting into it. Um, you know, so, and there's gamers like that, that just like, they want to just play something that you just pick it up and you just go right to work, you know? And, and it's like, I think that's still a very important genre to have. Um, not everybody wants to get into like a multiplayer bout and, and just, you know, spend dozens of hours and all that. And especially now we might be at a bad precedent here that when you think about middle of earth shadow of war and, uh, and uh, Star Wars Battlefront and all that, we might be looking at games, even single-player games and arcade games, being more of a service. And, um, uh, you know, so there's a lot of that going on. And, pardon me, uh, my parents had to walk in there when I told them I was podcasting. <laughs> so that was embarrassing. Oh, that's why Darn those parents. Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I do want to say that how, like, if you think about it, how Smark has made a ton of games. Because another game they've made recently and released, Matterfall, was was mentioned in the article, but we didn't mention it yet. And you know, how Smark, like I said, they've made a ton of games, but most people probably don't know who they are or what they've done. They're not really a household name, which you figure at this point, since they've developed for two generations, high quality games that you know that are games that. Uh, feel new but they also touch on nostalgia like they they should be more respected than they are they were respected in the industry but i feel like because they have to go to a multiplayer they have to join the the rush for multiplayer gaming i feel like they don't get enough respect for what they've done and most people probably don't realize or even know who they are and that's stupid right i mean sometimes i was thinking about this this week like would it have helped if the game was multi-platform if the game had been released on Nintendo Switch and Xbox would it have really and even I mean I think it's on PC would it have really made any kind of a difference for everybody and sometimes I kind of want to say possibly I mean you have had a wider range of audience but then the production cost probably would have still been high anyway because then you have to you know create a game for th several different operating systems and on the other hand you know it probably wouldn't have because of the fact that it is a genre that not everybody's into now with considering that it's, you know, as we said before, it's 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 a genre where you pick it up and you, you play, and once you figure it out, it, granted the game's really hard, so it's going to take you a long time to figure it out, um, it's, you know, that's it, you know, versus a game that's more of a service where you can just keep coming back to it over and over again um, and keep leveling up and unlocking things. But, um, I mean, I do agree, absolutely, because Next Machina, I mean, just starting with that, like that, you can tell that that is an evolution of games, the genre, and so much more. I mean, as you know, in case no one knows, the game was made in conjunction with uh, famed game designer Eugene Jarvis, who was responsible for the twin stick control functions and other functions for games like Smash TV, uh, from the, was from the a personal favorite from the SNES era, um, Robotron 2084, which is a game that effectively revolutionized arcade everything, really. And then also Berserk with a K and a Z. Okay, Berserk, yeah, so of course it has a K. Uh, the Berserk part, uh, that's a Z, so not to be confused with the anime of the same name. But um, you feel with the intensity, the gameplay, the music, it really kind of just evolves what, what you know this kind of genre is all about. And it's just, it's just a blast to see um see that passion in there and then even like other games like alienation dead nation uh what they were able to do with with those game mechanics it's it's just it's a lot of fun to see 
what they were able to do reinventing. Like Dead Nation came around the time everybody was into zombies, and I kind of saw it. I was like, okay, this is cool. Then I started playing it. I'm like, wow, this is great. Um, and it was available on the PS3, the Vita, and I think they re-released it on the PS4. Uh, Alien Nation was neat because it like you know it was a twin stick type of deal, and you could work with other people and stuff. Once again, a very hard game, but you know once you sink once it sinks its teeth into you, you just want to don't want to let it go. Um, so on one, so um, I am excited for whatever they come, that comes next. The problem is, is it going to be, uh, we don't know what it's going to be. And, you know, is it going to be a shooter, like a first person shooter? Is it going to be an action game? Is it going to be a platformer? Is it going to be, um, some kind of an adventure that they, they hire voice actors and all sorts of other things? Is it going to be neither of those? Is it going to be one of those card based microtransaction, uh, you know, mobile games or whatever, you know, like, you know, when you play like Asphalt 8 on your, mo on your mobile device and it's like, okay, you race. Now you must wait t 20 minutes to race again. If you'd like to race now, please pay five bucks. Like we don't know. Um, and it's, it's, you know, intimidating to, to think what could happen. But, uh, the good news at least is like from the article I read on, on gameindustry.biz, nobody's getting laid off. So that's a silver lining. Um, so they still have 50 people working at the studio. Uh, they're, I guess they're going to consolidate, you know, considering and just, you know, hopefully strike the gold that they need, that they, they deserve uh, in the next bout. And who knows? Maybe um, they could return back to the genre once they get their feet together, you know, their feet back on the ground and everything's together and they can just, you know, keep cracking at it later on down the line. So that's always a possibility, too. Um but yeah, so we'll have to see what happens next with that. All right, because uh, we got we got to move on. Because Roberto, I I love listening to you talk, but <laughs> you do get long winded, sir. Uh, yeah, that, that that comes to the radio broadcasting experience, and just like I said, I'm really passionate about this medium. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not the only one. You're not the only one. Plus, um, you know, coming from a Spanish family, uh, we talk about everything. <laughs> We'll talk. We'll, All right, we'll, we'll yeah. We'll spend an hour about how the sky is blue. All right. Let's not take an hour on this next topic, where EA says it's going to bring EA Access style subscription programs to other platforms. EA revealed that its plans to expand subscription services like EA Access and PC's Origin Access to quote other platforms end quote. Although it doesn't uh, specify exactly what they'd be. Speaking on an EA earnings call, as transcribed by Seekin Alpha, CEO Andrew Wilson discussed the success of existing subscription services before revealing its future plans. Quote, our subscription services like EA Access and Origin Access are bringing more players from across our network to join in. Our subscription player base continues to grow, and you should expect us to continue driving this model to more platforms going forward. End quote. Wilson went on to explain the significance of the subscription model to EA, explaining that because of its live service games such as FIFA, Madden, and the upcoming Star Wars Battlefront 2, players will download their games included in the package before pay paying more to play them down the line. Quote, the one thing that's often lost when we have this conversation is that unlike linear media, the subscription fee paid is not the total value of what a player might expend as they enjoy the expend as they enjoy the games they play inside the subscription. And so we believe long-term, while it may take us some years to facilitate that at some kind of scale that we expect to evolve into, 
In the same way the digital music and digital movies have evolved, the upside of interactive entertainment industry is uncapped by the virtue of the value of live services that are born inside of a subscription, end quote. The rise of the kinds of microtransactions that Wilson is talking about have been the subject of recent controversy around the issue that at least EA shut down virtual games and pivoted single-player game to a live service model. EA CFO Blake Jorgensen added that the existing services will likely be expanded too. Quote, we've been doing a lot of work on Origin Access and EA Access. As Andrew mentioned, you'll most likely see those on other platforms and you'll most likely see additional content coming to those subscriptions and some exciting things to come there. But we believe it's a very important way. We believe that that's a very important way for more consumers to enjoy more games over time at a very reasonable price. End quote. The access services currently offer a vault of free to download EA games as well as discounts and early access for new titles in return for a monthly payment. Now, I don't have uh, any uh, first-hand knowledge of EA access because I believe that's only on Xbox One and 360, correct? Yeah, and then Origin is on PC. Uh, If you're going to read that entire article, you better give the author and the site credit for that. Uh, Yes, it does come from IGN, and the author is Joe Scrubbles. Thank you. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, access, from what I understand, I don't have have access to the service. But from what I understand, it gives you early access to certain games, it gives you discounts, and it also allows you um, to play certain games, download games for free, uh, for a monthly fee. So, just a subscription service for EA games. So, I mean, obviously, you know, as mentioned in the article, that there is... A lot of controversy surrounding EA since they shut down Visceral and put their uh, their Star Wars game into new hands, which threw Amy Hennig's um, participation into into limbo. And you know, so not the best press for EA. Uh, it seems like EA is full steam ahead on the multiplayer experiences. You know, Battlefront Two, um, Battlefield One. So I mean, they seem like they're fully behind the the multiplayer crush and are kind of straying away from from single player games. I mean, they they may have single player in a lot of their games, but you got to ask: Is it really worth it? To are those single player game you know campaigns the focus, or are they really worth playing? Or are you better off just skipping to the multiplayer? All right. Uh, before we continue, I just want I looked up EA Access to see what the price was. EA Access for 12 months is $30, and for one month, it's $5. So, if you're going to get EA Access, I I would get the 12 months, because you get basically getting six months for free. Uh, now, this is worth saying, uh, again, this does not allow you to get all EA games for your $30 for the year. This only allows you to play certain games early. And there's certain games that they will allow you to play for free. Uh, when I first search EA Access, the first thing that pops up is uh, try Need for Speed Payback for 10 full hours before launch day. So th- that's the type of things that you can do with uh, EA Access. Yeah, I mean, that, that price seems rather cheap. But, you know, you figure people talk about the, the PlayStation Network and PlayStation Now and how a lot of people don't see that as, as worth the money. And a lot of people don't see PlayStation Plus as worth the money. But you got to figure that EA, what they're offering, yes, it's a cheaper price, but they're offering a lot less as far as content goes. I mean, PlayStation Now probably has a ton more games available than, say, EA's access service. So, I mean, it, it's not something... I don't play many EA games. I mean, I would probably play Battlefront um, 2 
that's probably a game I'd like to play. But you know, ever since Dead Space, to be perfectly honest, I don't I don't think I've bought an EA game. I mean, like I played Dante's Inferno back in the day, but other than what Visceral put out, like I just really didn't buy a ton of what came out of EA. Looking into more into access, uh, some of the Vault games that you could play uh, right now with uh, your thirty dollar or subscription, your five dollar subscription, Battlefield One, Mass Effect Andromeda, Star Wars Battlefront One, Titanfall Two, FIFA Seventeen, NHL Seventeen, Madden Seventeen, Mirror's Edge, Catalyst, UFC Two, Unravel, uh, the Need for Speed, uh, NBA Live, FIFA. Uh, and I also saw Dead Space and Dead Space 2 in here, Dragon Age Inquisition. So, I mean, we're not talking like really old games, but we're not talking uh, really new games either. I mean, Mass Effect and Dropper, I guess, is the, the newest game on the list. And that's already in EA Access. Well, didn't Battlefield 1 come out this year? That came out two years ago. Two years ago, really? Or maybe I maybe it came. Let me let me look no, it up. It, it, it may have come year. out November of last year. Uh, Battlefront One was in 2015. Battlefront Battlefield One was this last year. They did release okay, so, like a like a Game of the Year like edition for Battlefield One this year though. I actually saw it in the GameStop last night, and I was gonna pick it up, but it's like 85 gigs, and I have I have you know I got no space on my hard drive no more. Ain't nobody. Got Mass Effect Andromeda just came out. It came out this year, didn't it? What about the the Battlefield One game game of the year edition? No, no, Mass Effect no, no. Andromeda came out this year. I believe it's spring. Oh yeah, it's, yes, March twenty first. Yeah, so it's not even a year old, and it's already in there. So they are. Well, I mean, isn't that a good thing though? I mean, wouldn't you want more recent games in there too? I mean, I don't think. Well, it's... absolutely, but what I, what I'm saying is, it, see, Mass Effect Andromeda. Uh, now, granted, I'm not a Mass Effect fan. I'm going on what I've heard from other people. Uh, Mass Effect Andromeda, from what I heard, was a real letdown. Yes. And they've already stopped. Uh, they already announced they're not going to do any more support behind it. So, I mean, essentially, they're giving you a game. I mean, the 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 newest game that they're giving you, and I just made up a word there. Uh, the newest game that they're giving you is a game that they've already given up trying to support. So, well, what I mean, does that also say? I mean, true, but you know, they have to put. I thought you were going to go with the the argument that the game, the service is relatively cheap, and they're already get, letting you play for free for five bucks a month. They're letting you play Mass Effect Andromeda for free, which speaks very uh, highly of the controversy and the amount of disappointment that surfaced once Mass Effect Andromeda was out. But I mean, clearly, like you can't just put Dead Space and Dead Space Two like games that are five or more years old on the service and expect people to, to buy in. You have to put newer games on there too. So <coughs> if you're gonna, you know, if if there's an argument that oh well, this game must be low quality because it's already on access, well, they have to put newer games on there in order to entice people to buy them. Well, th- that's the thing; they're not buying these games. Well, these true, are games they, they're that for, you, for thirty dollars. They have a subscription for the license to play the games while they have right. a subscription. Right. Well, what I'm saying is, you know, this this essentially is like uh, PlayStation Now or something like that, but this is only EA games. So, I mean, I if if if, if they were to bring this to PS4, I think it's possible. I mean, there's just looking on a couple of things like the Battlefront, NHL, uh, Unravel. Those are games that I'd like to play. 
But so I'm assuming that none of the EA games are on PlayStation Now then, because why would EA offer their own service but then put that? Well, I guess well no, it, Access nor Origin is available for the PlayStation right now, so I guess maybe they would have some games on PlayStation Now, unless they were playing well, to if bring you're, it if, to uh, the PlayStation. Well, if your point being is that maybe they took the EA games off of PlayStation Now to drive traffic to the Xbox One. No, 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 that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying I I had forgotten that the services were only available for PC and Xbox. They're not available for the PlayStation. Maybe they'll expand to that someday, but my point was that I thought that I had forgotten that PlayStation did not have the service, so I thought that they would not put their games on PlayStation now as they try to sell their games on access on the console, but it's not on the console, so. Yeah. All right. I I guess, I mean... Overall, I mean, you guys, would you guys like it on the PlayStation 4? Uh, maybe. I mean, I haven't taken advantage of the PlayStation Now thing. I think I did for one game. It was Anomaly Warzone Earth, and I I never really took into that again. And then um, I will say that Mass Effect Andromeda, I went to GameStop last night to pick up Dot Hack slash Sign Trilogy for PS4, which came out on Friday. Uh, I was looking around, and like Mass Effect Andromeda is, I think, already $20 or $30 at GameStop. I think it was $30. And then if you get the day one edition, that's like 30 or 40, I think, at uh, Best Buy. But in any case, um, yeah, um, yeah, you know, it'd be pretty cool, I think. I mean, just to have more of a portfolio of games and, you know, games that, like, you, you kind of looked and looked neat, but maybe you weren't willing to make the full $60 dip into it. But maybe there's just something to it that, you know, you want to dive into it, and there you go, you know. Um, or even, like, I mean, I'd love for them to, to release more classics, though. I mean, the first Battlefront was fun even though i played it by myself and actually as a matter of fact they uh disney relaunched the servers for battlefront 2 from 2005 so just just an fyi but in any case to answer the question i mean yeah i'd, I'd probably get into it um but yeah um, i guess i'm you know it's whatever <laughs> so our last bit uh, last bit of news before we go into our topic of the week uh does either one of you guys have the Sony card? The Sony what? The Sony PlayStation uh, credit card? Oh, no, I do not. Um, maybe when I get a better job. Yeah, I'll apply. <laughs> All right. Uh, anybody that's in the Sony Rewards program is now allowing players to earn PSN credit through trophies earned by playing games. Now, the reason I bring this up is because... Uh, you don't need the PlayStation card to actually do this, but that's how generally people get involved in the Sony Rewards program. Um, now, when you earn trophies, if it's linked to your Sony Rewards, you're now able to turn those points into PSN credit. Uh, it's a little complicated, but it's very. It's also very serious, uh, s- simple at the same time. Uh, Sony Rewards members can now collect points as they earn in-game trophies. It's complicated, but it's simple? It's complicated to explain, but when you really look at it, it's very simple to understand. What I'm about to say is going to sound very complicated, but when you actually look into it, it explains itself. I know, sometimes, Alex, I, I say things and it doesn't totally make sense. I want to say that I tried to sign up for Sony Rewards... Dot com. I tried to sign up there on there and then link it to my PSN account. 
so I could actually, like, in the future, like, if I'm playing a game and it's like, okay, well, this game was okay, but I'm not super proud of the Platinum, yeah, I'll turn it in for some points to put towards something else. All right, super but frustrating because I got so many errors and, like, dead-end pages trying to first register for Sony Rewards and then also, like, link my PSN account, which I can't do still because it just sends me to an error page. So, like, this I'm is... getting the same thing. Yeah. It's, it, but that's it's, also because everybody's trying to sign up for this right now. Yeah, but how was it just announced today? No, it was announced a week ago, but, well, you know. Well, th- that shouldn't be a problem then. Like, the, there should not be enough traffic on a Sunday night, me trying on a Sunday night to sign up for this thing to shut down the servers or something. All right, let me get into this. Uh, Sony Rewards will now collect points as you earn in-game trophies. These points can then be used towards credit towards new games or credit on the PSN account. The program will include silver, gold, and platinum trophies. 100 silver trophies will count as 100 points, or basically one point per trophy. 25 gold trophies equals 25, 250 points, so basically 25, or yeah, 25 points. No, I don't know, I'm not doing my math right here. And 10 platinum trophies will give players 1,000 points. 1,000 points equal $10 in PSN credit. So any combination... To get you up to 1,000 points gives you $10 in PSN credit. However, the rules... Are you done? However, there are some rules to the program. Previous trophies earned from before joining the program will not count. The program is only for the United States. And you, if you go to ProvingGamer.com and click on the article, you can click uh, it within there to have you directly linked to the program. So... Roberta, all those trophies you collected? I know. She signed up for Sony Rewards first. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, a lot of the, those Platinums, I mean, I got to tell you, like, they they were work, but they were worth it. I still remember, I mean, real quick story. Medal of Honor 2010 multiplayer trophy, uh, forward fire support, Hemlin Valley, April 2011. It was a, a hell of a fight. I was in the rush mode. I was on the American side. And you had the one trophy required you to get the highest tier forward operating uh, kill streak, and that means you had to kill a lot of people. <laughs> so, oh my god! I mean, I died, died twice, and then starting at like one of the map, the parts of the map because it's rush mode, I I just started slaughtering everybody. I clawed in airstrike, drone airstrike, close air support, uh, a Gatling gun run. Then my screen turned black and white. Because somebody shot me and I was almost dead. I ran for my freaking life across the map. Then I grabbed my M4 carbine. I, I just emptied an entire clip into this jerk. Then he died. Then I started getting more kill streaks. Then I got more kill streaks. Then I had the Tomahawk cruise missile, which was the highest thing. And I was like, oh man, Roberto, you know, if you die right now, you're going to lose that. And then you got to start all over again. You're not going to get this other chance. And I like ran to like, uh, like uh, uh, some rock in the middle of that map. And I dropped the hammer, and and I just blew everybody apart in that team, and I got the trophy, and uh, I won't ever forget that. Unfortunately, I mean, so it's a little unfortunate that it's not going to pass over, because then I because of that I platinumed it. Now you know, even if you want to, you can't because it's an online trophy. So, uh, but man, uh, that was holy shit. <laughs> but in any case, um, yeah, so it's it's a little bittersweet. They're not going to be retroactive. Not that you know, I, I mean, well. Somebody actually went back on the math and uh, looked up Raw Dog, who is actually holds the record right now for the most trophies. If you took all the trophies he's previously unlocked and did the math into this program, 
he'd have about $1,200 in PSN credit. Wow. That's still pretty so. good, though. Yeah, but the, you have over, uh, I think it's 200,000 trophies. And you, well, you, you also got to figure that a lot of those are bronzes, and bronze don't count for anything. Oh, yeah, true. Actually, I'm, you know, I, I want to get his count right, so let me look up real quick. You know, it kind of sucks that these aren't retroactive, that they have to be, like, after you sign up for Sony Rewards to count, because there are quite a few trophies that I would unload. I could have at least 12 plat- or, like, 10 Platinums that I would give away um, to this service in order to get, like, $10 in PSN credit. So, I mean, here's the thing, though. Like, if you do that, if you turn all those in, like, are you left with all the bronzes and your, the, you know, the trophy, like, percentage completion, like, goes back down to whatever it is within you just have the bronzes? Correct? Oh, say, I'm sorry. Say that again. I, so I if was you turn in the dog. platinums and the silvers and the golds for these game, you're just left with the bronzes. So your your completion percentage is going to go down to, like, 32% no, or whatever no. it is. It's going to go down to whatever. No, 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 no. No, no, Because that, I, I, that was, that was going to be my point that I was going to make in a second. This you are not turning in your trophies. The trophies are not coming off of your account. It's just giving you credit for unlocking them. So if you if you like if you wanted to take let's just say Horizon Zero Dawn, if you if they were all silver, gold, and the platinum, and you want to turn all those in, it doesn't remove the platinum from your PSN account. Oh, okay. So you're just getting credit for the trophies that you've earned, so. Right. So it's basically giving you the, you know, how everybody always said that why you unlocking this fictional trophy that means nothing, now they're giving the meaning by being able to, to if you unlock a silver or gold or a platinum trophy on your PSN account, you can now turn that back around through Sony Rewards and get PSN credit. And on that note, I do remember there was a beta program we were I was part of years ago. And yeah, yeah. So okay, so we're on the same t- page, and like it did the same thing. You you had so many trophies, and depending on how many trophies you got, like little things like a theme or an avatar, and one of the avatars said "Legend" on it. So that was pretty cool. But yeah, yeah. they also did a, a a they did a an auction. I think it was not too long ago. I mean, it has been a couple. It's got to be a couple years now, where. All the goals that you had on your account, you could use your golds. So let's say you had a thousand gold on your account, you could do a bid on an item that the, a real life item. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that. And then let's just say you bid seven hundred and fifty gold, for, and you won. They deducted seven hundred and fifty gold from your online profile, not your actual PSN account. So that you could only bid two hundred and fifty on the next item. Yeah, now I, rem- I remember that, but I, I think I remember looking and I was like, oh, I don't really have any, I don't have anything that could uh, <laughs> be redeemed because right. you know, like right. it was gold. So I just looked up Raw Dog for his PSN profile. According to PSN profiles, he has fifty nine thousand two hundred and thirty five trophy total trophies. That includes. Um, Let's see, one thousand three hundred and fifty nine platinums, seven uh, six thousand nine hundred three gold, fifteen thousand five hundred fifty one silver, and thirty five thousand four hundred and twenty two bronze. That's just inhuman. So. <laughs> uh, and I know JT, who still listens to the show, 
we go back and forth about whether or not I think that's legit or not, but I digress. Or even if like he just hires people, like, yo, I'm at work. Uh, could you just access my profile and just play these games? Okay, bud. Well, that's that's the thing. Is me and him always had a long argument about Hakum, who, before Raw Dog uh, came into the picture, uh, Hakum had actually admitted that there was like six guys getting trophies on his account. And me and JT used to go back and forth about whether or not that's right. I was like, well, he's not cheating anything, but he can't turn around and say, uh, I earned every one of these trophies, which I think there's there's a bit of uh, honor to that. And I like to say that I just looked at the leaderboards and it says 57,000 cheaters have been removed from PSN profiles. So apparently they're catching cheaters now. I see. So, yeah. So, um, but uh, (laughs) it is promising. I mean, it's nice to figure if there's going to be something being done in regards to um, being able to just use the trophies for something like that. Um, They could probably do more, but, uh, and and I think they're going to have to try and, and really experiment outside the box with that as, you know, we move forward and what, what more can PlayStation network do than just deliver games and have the PlayStation plus subscription. So, um, you know, a little extra reward here and there is, 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 is a welcome change. Um, but, uh, yeah, <laughs> there's a lot of just good memories though with, with the trophies that, um, I had unlocked. I mean, another w- quick one, there was actually a J- James Bond mo- video game based on quantum of solace. And I know everyone hates that one, but the game was actually kind of fun. It was, uh, <laughs> you ran around just shooting things and then the multiplayer was really tacked on. It was like a modified call of duty. But um, you just you could you could just you know run around and shoot things. One of my favorites was um, Golden Gun mode, and that was like I that was my first real online shooter experience. I actually remember everyone getting mad at me because in Golden Gun mode you get the Golden Gun, and you have to shoot everybody with the Golden Gun, which is fires explosive rounds, and nobody could touch me. So at the end of the match, I was like, "Shit, Roberto, Vector Man, no Vector Man eight, shit, fuck." <laughs> everyone's all mad i'm like what <laughs> all right oh, yeah. so, so let's move on uh we do not have a sophie's trophy this week and the reason is because sid got married and didn't have time to do one so listeners i want you to know the tricky lied to us lied to me he lied to you because sid doesn't forget his responsibilities take it away big sid Hey guys, how you all doing? Welcome to Sophie's Trophies uh, 17. God, it's going quite fast, this is. Um, Okay, this week um, is going to be a little different. Um, I have a couple of things to say before we get started. Um, The first one is, as you may or may not know, I got married over the weekend. And um, the guys uh, from Trophy Halls sent me and my new wife uh, some wedding gifts. Um, picture frame and various other trinkets and they were very gratefully received um, it just goes to show you guys what kind of people they are um, the, you know they are amazing as is everyone at Proven Gamer um, so yeah a big shout out and a big thank you Tricky, Alex, Yield and Stephen and anyone else um, the second thing is uh, a few well a few weeks ago now I started a Road to Platinum um, on the game Mad Max. Um, this, I have to say, has come to a grinding halt. 
Um, not because the game is bad, the game is great, it is, you know, really good fun, as I said at the time, but I find for something like a Road to Platinum, it's taking too long to pop the trophies. Um, I need to find something where, you know, every few weeks I'm going to be popping a few trophies to make it more interesting for you guys. Um, so if you have any suggestions for that, then please feel free to let me know. Um, okay, it's going to be a quick one this week, and uh, the game I've got to talk about is Deadpool. Um, I bought this yesterday. It was £4.49, so a great deal on that, 90% off. Um, and let's just have a quick look. Okay, uh, the first trophy, the Platinum, is called OK, You Can Sell the Game Now, uh, and that is a 0.9 Ultra Rare. The first two trophies in the game, uh, you get one free. Um, so you stand up at the beginning of the game because Deadpool is sat down, and as soon as you stand up, you get a trophy. Um, and then the second one is also free. So that's just for standing up again. Um, now, this is quite an interesting one, guys. Um, the first two trophies are common, 98.2%. The third trophy you can get is called I'm Expecting Company, and it's Make a Thousand Pancakes. Um, obviously, you don't have to make a thousand pancakes, but, you know, he does. Um, the trophy, again, is common, uh, but at a 64.4%. Now, considering you do this in the same room, or in the kitchen... Um, I should say the game starts you in the flat, or Deadpool's flat or apartment... Um, and you go through to the kitchen to make pancakes. Now, a drop-off of 34% is quite a big drop-off. Um, again, in the platform... Uh, beg your pardon. In the apartment, um, the next trophy you can get is making a game, and it's playing with Deadpool's junk. So you go around, there are 14 items to interact with. Um, and that's down to 30.1%. Um, so that's a rare... It shouldn't be rare, it's right at the start of the game. Um, so easy to do, you just wander around and play with things. This is this is even before you get out of his apartment. So it just goes to show that not many people did these things. Um, maybe they had a quick go on the game and thought, you know, not for me. Um, because he is wisecracking and rude and makes, put it bluntly, he makes dick jokes and, you know, poo jokes. So that isn't for everyone. Um, so just be warned with that one. Uh, the next one I got was in the lobby, in the lobby, comboing your dudes. Um, this is the first level of the game. Uh, you go into the first section and, uh, basically get a combo of 40 or higher, um, before they shut down the elevators. Very easy to do, but again, not many people did it. That's down to an 11.5%, uh, very rare. And as I say, it's as soon as you go out the door to the apartment, you start that level. So not a lot of people uh, like this game, from what I can tell, or not a lot of people did it um, or missed trophies for some reason. Um, but that's all I'm going to go through with on that game. Um, you know, there, there are quite a few. There are no collectible trophies, and most of the trophies you get are doing things um, within the levels. Uh, the game itself is okay, um, but be warned on the PS4, it does slow to a crawl and can 
stop for a few seconds every now and then. It's done it to me plenty of times. I have read up on this, and uh, if you take the PS4 offline, that should clear the problem. Um, I've not tried that yet, but I, I will report back on that one. So, yeah, that's it, guys. Deadpool. I like it. It's not great. But for £4.49, I'm not going to complain. Not a lot of people will get on with it. It depends on your sense of humour, which is, like I say, the reason I think a lot of people haven't really done too much in it. So, yeah, that's it, guys. Um, thanks for listening this week. And uh, if you want to get in touch, Sid at Proven Gamer is the email. Sidders1978 is the PSN. Um, and at Sidney is Twitter. Or get in touch with me through the Facebook group. So, yeah, um, anybody have any suggestions for the uh, Road to Platinum that I can do where I can get trophies relatively um, frequently, then please feel free to let me know. And just to let you guys know, I will finish Mad Max at some point. Um, so, yeah, thanks for listening, guys. And uh, keep getting those trophies. Okay, bye. Uh, that's going to lead us right into our topic of the week. Now, I'm going to preface this by saying this article is coming from IGN, and they did an article saying that there's nine games missing from Sony's Paris Games Week conference. I'm going to list the games, and the reason we're having this discussion is I want to see, generally, as I tell you the name of the game, are you happy or are you upset that this game was not shown? And just quick, uh, tell us why you're saying either way. Uh, the first game they have listed is Days Gone. Are you happy or upset that you didn't see more of this, Alex? So I'm going to say that I've seen this entire list of games, and I you can forgo asking me after this because I am not going to buy any of these games, so I'm not really excited for them. Like, I mean, it's not that they don't look good or that I think people should be excited about them. It's just they're not my personal preference, so... Uh, for me, Sony has got so many shows that they do a year, and we're rolling around to, I mean, who knows, like sooner we got PSX coming up, we're going to have PAX East in, I think it's April, so I mean, like, we're rolling around, even before E3, we've got a couple shows, so just because it wasn't shown here, Sony can't focus on all their games at once, so... I think that just because the game was missing, I don't think people should be disappointed, because, you know, Days Gone was featured at E3... And, you know, Sony wanted to put more spotlight uh, spotlight on a game like uh, Ghost of Tsushima, which, you know, Sucker Punch is doing. It's their new game. So you can only focus on so many games at once. So I don't think that people should necessarily be disappointed that some of these games didn't show. Yeah. So I think, um, you know, it's it's a matter of knowing, of course, the demographic. Uh, Paris, game, Paris Gaming, they're, they're focused on... Um, they have a very strong indie scene. They have a lot of uh, diversity in, in 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 their games. They're they have a very different thing. I mean, the, the games I think I think of when I think about like the Parisian audiences don't nod games. So remember me, um, Life is Strange, and then the upcoming Vampire. So it's kind of like I think that it's it's a weird and also like like uh, was mentioned, it's a weird area because Pax West is over. Uh, that was like the last big gaming convention, really, t- and also TGS. So now, like, you have PlayStation Experience, which is like exclusive to PlayStation, and it's kind of fairly new. And then you've got PAX East in April, so you know, and then PAX South in Texas in January. So I think that it's a matter of just saving the big guns for 
when the time is right. I mean, PSX, I'd, ha I'd have to say that what they did show was pretty intense. It was pretty good. And, you know, I didn't expect them to showcase what they showed. So it does leave a lot of um, uh, potential over what could be shown in PSX. And hopefully it's going to be really, really good. Uh, there's also, so there's, there's that kind of level of thinking there. Um, but, uh, the, the games that were, that were, that w could have been shown. I mean, I think, um, I think, uh, Days Gone, uh, possibly, but then, you know, we, we've seen a good chunk of that. Um, I, I actually remember seeing, uh, that, that full demo, of course, at E3, uh, at, at a movie theater when they had that thing. And I said to myself, all right. We got the idea, you know, the, you got to kind of keep it under wraps for a little bit. You want to keep the people wanting more after all. And, uh, you know, just go with the flow. In terms of um, of other games, I mean, I think they could have definitely shown more um, other things, even if they weren't exclusives. Like, I was thinking about Vampire, for example. That's from Don't Not Entertainment. And Don't Not Entertainment is actually... Uh, like I said, they made Life is Strange. They made uh, they made uh, yeah, Life is Strange, and also Remember Me, and they're the ones that are helming that. So they probably could have showed more gameplay footage of that because that's actually expected to be released sometime in uh 2018, I think, like March 2018. And that particular game is really neat because you're actually a doctor. Then you get infected by the virus that's plaguing the city. You start turning into a vampire. And then from that, you have to decide, do you want to just finish off your victims and become like a demon of the night? Uh, or do you want to like do what you can to save yourself and, and, and the people around you? So there is that kind of level of thinking. I think they could have showed that. Um, there's also um, just a moment right here. Hang on one second, one second, one second. Well, well, let me cut you off right there sure. just so we can move on with the list a little bit. Yeah. Uh, as far as Days Gone, I'm not like Alex, I'm gonna I'm gonna just make a blanket statement about some of these games. Uh, some of these games I don't give a shit about at all. But some of these games, I really don't care that they didn't show it to us because, as much as I hunger, if that's the right word, to see more of a game, I'm actually happier when I don't get to to see more of the game because I like to see the game uh, firsthand when I'm playing it. And like the 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 big thing about uh, movie trailers now is like should we watch movie trailers for movies that we're really interested in because movie trailers wind up spoiling a part of the game or excuse me other part of the movie. Uh, so I I like this. I want to see more Days Gone, but I'm happy we're not because I'd be more happy to get the get a release date so I could go media blackout. Well, it also takes time to make the the trailer and and select the slice of gameplay that you show in a trailer or teaser, like say at E three during their presentation. So you got to wonder if you know, given what we saw at E three, if they would simply just show the same thing again at Paris Games Week. So you you have to wonder, you know, how much time they have to kind of you know make these presentations and decide what's going up there, because you don't want to see you know it doesn't do any good to see the same gameplay you saw you know, three or four months ago. That's true, too. <clears throat> All right, the next game on the list is Dreams. Uh, I'm just going to say right off the top, I'm not interested in Dreams at all, so I'm happy I didn't see that. Eh, it 
would have been pretty cool. I mean, I like what the, what, the, what they're trying to do, but we haven't seen that in a while, so we don't know what the hell. It, it, it could be a completely overhauled game at this point. I mean, I like that, yeah. you know, they were trying to rethink immersion and puzzle solving, though. So, I mean, but then again, there's not too much to go on. So, like, it would have been cool yeah. to see it, you know. Uh, the next game on the list is Death Stranding. <laughs> we still don't know what the hell he, that game is either. He, here's the thing, okay? I, I really... You guys know how much I love the Metal Gear franchise and how much I respect I have for Deo Kojima. I'm worried about this game. Not that I don't think it's going to be awesome. Not that I don't think it's going to be spectacular. I'm just worried about Kojima being off his quote-unquote Konami leash. Like, some of these things that we've seen in these trailers so far... It's a little disturbing. Right. You know, baby in the middle of like an oil fields, whales. Um, right. Viggo Mortison now. Oh, not Viggo Mortison with the, the other guy. The, what, you know what I'm talking about. The guy who was Hannibal or whatever. Um, and soldiers and stuff. And it's just you have to wonder, is it is it a nightmare? Is it a dream? Is this like, is the unhinging a good thing or a bad thing? You know, um, there, there could be the fact that he's trying to make the game he's always wanted to make. But is it something so bizarre? It's gonna make Suda Fifty One be like, "Yo, what? What? You know, this guy got, went off his chain." <laughs> so, um, so yeah. I mean, we still don't know what that is. I'm thinking PSX. There's gonna probably more than likely be something to kind of explain what the hell's going on. Um, but we once again we have to wait and see. All right, the next game on the list is Wild. What is that? That okay? Moving on. Uh, the, the next game is Red Dead Redemption 2. Uh, was I de- disappointed we didn't actually see any gameplay from Red Dead? Yes. Am I worried? No, because generally Rockstar doesn't show much of their games and like at conferences, so I'm not worried about that at all. I'd like to see a scene gameplay, but I'm not worried about it at all. Yeah, I mean, I think we're already sold on what's going to happen next. Um, once again, I think PSX will probably reveal more. Especially if it's really set for a spring 2018 release, um, so um, I, it, which also could be maybe May if that if if spring counts for May, but we'll definitely get our gameplay footage beforehand, whether it's at PAX East or PAX South, um, you know, anything like that. The next uh, next two games on the list. <coughs> Excuse me. The next two games on the list that I'm going to mention, I'm going to list together because they're both coming from basically the same studio, is Final Fantasy VII Remake and Kingdom Hearts Three. Neither one of these games uh, do I want to see anything from until it's ready to go. Uh, it, it takes Square Enix an incredibly long time to do their games. Uh, I just like to see them on the shelves. I, I don't need to see any more. We basically know what we're going to get in Final Fantasy VII Remake. It's the exact same game that we've had before, just redone. Uh, and I'd like to just see the beauty when I'm playing it. And Kingdom Hearts 3, uh, yeah, I just want to play it. Yeah, I mean, same. It, I mean, I'll tell you, like, uh, I'll, I'll keep it short because I'm, I'm very da- deeply passionate about Kingdom Hearts. But um, uh, it's like, I'm ready. I am ready to go. I reinstalled the entire original, whatever, the HD 1.5, 2.5. 
I definitely want to try and work on that now uh, with knowing that we have a release window. The Toy Story trailer from before at D23 just made my jaw drop and made me call my best friend and be like, you know, yo, check this out now. Like, we we grew up with this franchise, so it's it's kind of feeling a little bit bewildering, bewildering that we are actually getting it. We are getting the game soon. Um, if anything, I would like them to show – I would like to believe this would be a lot of worlds. They could probably show a few more trailers showcasing worlds. I mean, I, I'm i hoping for why? an Atlantis Lost but, Empire world, but – I think right now, like you know, once again, keep it but, under wraps. And as for episode I, seven, I see, I don't need to see, I don't need to see other worlds. I just, I want to play the game and let the worlds come as a surprise. True, true, that too. Yeah, that that's like kind of you know, it's it's like the bittersweet there, like the the polarizing there. Um, yeah, you know, because I'm all, I mean, I've been sold on this thing since <sighs> since they announced it. So, uh, all, yeah, all they had, all they had to do from the start with me, just Kingdom Hearts three is coming. Okay, done. Yeah. And then after FF7, um, I, from what I had, I had heard, they were trying to incorporate the PSP game P, uh, Crisis Core into it. I don't know about Dirge of Cerebus, but, you know, um, once again, I, I just, the game, just get the game out. I'm going to buy it. I'm sold on it. Although, and I, because I have to break the carnal sin that I have is that I've never played or finished a Final Fantasy game. Um, yeah, which is kind of like something you don't do if you're if you're a PlayStation loyalist. You're supposed hey, that's, to. Yes. Uh, that's just like me. I've never played a Final Fantasy game, right? But you haven't started one. That's the point. I mean, and then like, I mean, I do remember playing FF Seven when I was a kid, but I, I I rented it, but I didn't know what the hell I was doing because it was like the turn based strategy and stuff, and I kind of got turned off by it. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I do have Type Zero, which is like the game that everybody cared about for like a day, and then they didn't care about it anymore, but. I heard it was still pretty cool, so one of these days I'm going to probably get a hold of that. And I do have World of Final Fantasy for Vita and PS4, um, so we'll see. But anyway, next game. Next game on the list, which I could care less about, Shenmue 3. That, uh, you know, I, I'd have to play the other two, but I mean, I think it's honestly just kind of more for... Uh, I think they're just releasing it for the more of the sake of it's for the fans and it's for... The history and for the design and art, not really because they're going to try and make money off of this. I mean, it's possible that it could be a very popular game um, because, you know, the history is that Shenmue was responsible for the laying down the groundwork that laid the plate for every open world game. So, um, but, you know, I don't know. I mean, you never really know. I mean, I, I don't I never played the other two, so I have no idea. Um, how I'm, I'm just going to say this and I've said this on the show before. Uh, the fact that Sony brought Shenmue on their stage and then announced their Kickstarter for it, uh, I that I'm sorry, I hold a grudge with that. If Sony felt that passionate about it that they're going to put them on their E3 stage, then they should have funded, funded the game it. themselves uh-huh. and stopped doing Kickstarter. Uh, exactly, I feel the, the sentiments are the same for me. Um, but in any the, case, the only yeah. thing that interests me about Shenmue Three is I want to see how it does because the game was obviously like. Everyone, you know, well, not everyone, but there was a very vocal group of people who wanted Shinmu Three after playing Shinmu and Shinmu Two on the Dreamcast, and I want to see how it does, like the, the how it sells, the critical reception. That's what interests me. I don't want to play it, but I just want to see how people react to it. Well, they they at least got six million sales because that's how much their Kickstarter raised. Right. So you know that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, All right, and the last game on the list, um, which is not even an announced game, I, but a, a lot of people feel this way, Bloodborne 2. Yeah, I haven't played the first one. All right, then moving on. 
That is going to bring us to the end of our topics, but we do have some housekeeping. Let's clean this shit up. Provengaming.com is looking for some writers, podcasters, videos, news reports, and John always hype with the site. If you're interested in applying, go to Provengaming.com, click on the Help Wire tab, and fill out the application, and I will get back to you as soon as possible. While you're there, be sure to check out all of our articles and all of our videos. Speaking of our videos, they can be found on YouTube by doing a search for Official Proving Gamer. You can also catch random streams on Twitch at twitch.tv backslash provinggamer. If you want to get a hold of us, there are several ways to get a hold of us. The first one is our phone number. That's 330-PROVEN9. That's 330-776-8369. You can also send us an email by going to trophyhorse at provinggamer.com. If you want to get a hold of us on Twitter, there are, you contact the site at provinggamer. You contact the show at Tricky Mick. You contact the show at Trophy Horse. You contact me at Tricky Mick. Make it contact all about Alice's. yourself, Tricky. <clears throat> I'm sorry. I'm just trying to get through this. Uh, you can also get a hold of us on Twitter. You can contact the site at Proving Gamer. You can contact the show at Trophy Horse. You can contact me at Tricky Mick. Contact Alex at Saunders Horse Rex. Contact Yield at I Yield to No One. You can contact Steven at BatChild27. And Roberto, refresh my memory. How can I get a hold of you on Twitter? Uh, Twitter is at, at Jehuti88, J-E-H-U-T-Y-88. It's in reference to the orbital frame from Zone Enders 2. And you can also uh, get a hold of us with the SpeakPipe app that can be found on the top right of Proving Gamer and our Proving Gamer Facebook page. Uh, just click on the thing, leave a message. It's not just so necessarily for the podcasters. That's for anybody on the site. And we can pass that message on to that writer or your favorite streamer or your favorite podcaster, whoever you want to let them know they're doing a good job or how bad of a job they're doing or whatever you want to say. We'll listen. If you listen to this podcast, we greatly appreciate it, but be sure to listen to our other podcasts, PG Spoilers, The Smart Marks, Nintendo Dual Screens, and Game Stuff. All the podcasts can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, your various podcast applications on your smart devices, Google Play, TuneIn, and you can find Trophy Horse and The Smart Marks on iHeartRadio. If you want to get a hold of us further and be more involved with us, you can get involved in our PlayStation 4 communities. There's one for the site called Proving Gamer. There's one called... T-Dubs Brothel for the podcast. Why, Alex? Because Shuhei won't let us say whores on the network. And you can also, when you unlock your favorite Platinum or your newest Platinum, be sure to post in the Platinum Guild and Yield, whenever he comes back, we'll have a massive amount of shoutouts he has to give. Uh, that is the end of our housekeeping, but we do have some sponsors. Our first sponsor is Extra Life. Now, Extra Life was yesterday, Alex. But people can still donate to the end of the year. So tell us how they do that with Extra Life. So you can go to extra-life.org to donate. Do not forget the hyphen because you need it. Uh, so yeah, you can donate through the end of the year. Um, Tricky, what is the total raise so far? I'm looking at it up. Uh, last time I checked, it was $7.1 million. Okay. So last year, it was just over $9 million. It was $9.1 million. million. Okay. Uh, So, yeah. So, a little bit more help is needed to surpass last year. Because Extra Life, I believe, every year has surpassed the year before it. So, this could potentially be the first year that it does does not actually surpass the year before it. Uh, But still, $7 million is a fantastic amount of money to raise for the Children's Miracle Network if possible. Everyone who participated yesterday should be extremely proud. Everyone who donated, very much the same. So, yeah. Go to extra-life.org to donate through the end of the year. And, you know, if you played the game yesterday, 
and you know, or you're doing a makeup weekend next weekend because you couldn't get off of work or you had some kind of family gathering or some other kind of obligation that you needed to do. Uh, please, you know, let all the people know your friends, your family, coworkers, throw it on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram if you can, and just say, hey, this is what I'm doing. Help me out and donate to Extra Life at extra-life.org. All right. Uh, the initial the initial total right now before the end of the year is seven point three million dollars. And before we move on to our other sponsor, I want to give a shout out to the Proving Gamer team. And we raised together as a, a group uh, three thousand one hundred and sixty five dollars. That ranks us out of five hundred. Uh, excuse me, five thousand. 177 groups we are ranked 292nd so i i want to give a shout out to everybody involved in the playstation uh excuse me the extra life proving gamer group because that is impressive to me uh raising over three thousand dollars that's insane our last sponsor is uh Amazon, if you're going to do some shopping on Amazon, if you could and would each and every time you do your shopping on Amazon, stop by Proving Gamer first, click on any Amazon link and continue with your normal shopping. Doesn't cost you anything extra and does help out the site tremendously. Also, if you want to watch us on Twitch and you want to give us that free subscription, you can link your Amazon Prime and become Twitch Prime and you can subscribe every month for free. Now, unfortunately, you do have to go back every month to renew it. But you give a free subscription to your favorite streamer, and we greatly appreciate if our favorite streamer was us. We also have a Patreon. Uh, seven years ago, I launched Proving Gamer with the group of people that volunteered their time and who only wanted to get their voices out. Well, it's come time to pay them a little bit. So with that being said, I've launched the Patreon. Uh, if you are enjoying the Proving Gamer content, uh, we would appreciate you going to patreon.com. Uh, support us at whatever level you want. Uh, no matter what you support us at, please know it. We greatly appreciate it. And if we raise enough money, we could do more things with the site, including uh, more videos for our YouTube, more streamers, uh, more writers, and whatnot. So uh, no matter what level you support us at, please know it does help out tremendously. Uh, with that being said, let's move on to our shout-outs. Alex, let's start with you, sir. As always, I want to thank the listeners, the fuel to the fire that is Trophy Horse. Thank you all very much for spending some time with us every week. I know there's a lot of podcasts out there. There's a lot of content, whether you play video games, whether you watch Netflix, whatever you do. We appreciate that part of your entertainment time, part of your free time is spent with us. And uh, yeah, thank you all for pushing us above and beyond where we ever thought we could be with Trophy Horse. Uh, just a shout out to Tricky and Roberto for podcasting with me here on this chilly Sunday night. And uh, Roberto, two weeks in a row. Thank you, sir, for coming on and uh, kind of just jibber jabbering with me and Tricky. You're very welcome, Roberto. Your shout out, sir. Thank you to the listeners, everyone who keeps reading on the site, everyone who's contributing to the Patreon, to uh, Amazon. Everybody, uh, every little bit you do uh, really does uh, make uh, the, all the difference. Uh, to everyone out there that's still playing gaming. In their spare time, writing, you know, maybe being inspired by us, you know, to keep it up. Uh, you know, we appreciate your support. And uh, thank you, Tricky, and uh, thank you, Austin, for uh, for everything. And uh, yeah, we're uh, thanks. Thanks for another uh, nice night here. 
All right, and I want to give a shout out to the listeners. Thank you. Shout out to all the Patreons. Uh, shout out to everybody that came by and watched the 25 hour stream on Twitch yesterday. That was insane. Uh, that was the first year that I really had to struggle through. All the other years, uh, I got through no problem. I just didn't get enough sleep the day before and was struggling. Uh, shout out to Corey. Shout out to Steven, who did his first Twitch stream yesterday. Uh, they all, they both contributed to, uh, some time on twitch.tv, uh, backslash proving gamer. So that helps out a lot. And, uh, shout out to the goddess who is currently out doing laundry, uh, partly because the shout out to sweet mama D, uh, who's currently, uh, sitting on my couch. Uh, she's supposed to be in bed, but unfortunately she got a little sick and had to throw up a little bit. She's actually in the background right now. If you guys can see in the camera, waving to everybody. I'm sure that she loves you telling everyone that, that she had to throw up because that's always the most least embarrassing thing. No, not as embarrassing as, as peeing yourself. Although Adam Sandler said it best, you ain't cool till you pee your pants. If peeing your pants is cool, consider me Miles Davis. <laughs> With that being said, if there's nothing else, until next week, happy trophy hunting. That is the grossest thing I've ever heard. The theme song is Venus by the band Even off their album Zenith. Permission granted by the band and 12 Stone Records. You can find them on Facebook by going to www.facebook.com slash evenphilippines.